everyone and welcome to the Michigan State University Extension Equine Team and My Horse University's podcast series. I'm Gwen Shealy and it's great to have you here today for this episode. So today we're going to be talking about vaccinations and let me introduce our expert for today. We have Dr. Judy Martinuk here. She's a faculty member in the Michigan State University College of Veterinary Medicine and also the MSU Extension Veterinarian. Welcome today, Judy. Thank you. So our first question for today, uh, why in general is it important for a horse owner to vaccinate their horse? It's important to vaccinate because vaccination is going to provide protection to different diseases. And the protection you get for that disease is going to depend a little bit on the efficacy or how well that vaccine works. Some vaccines work much better than others. Uh, also, it's important because certain lifestyles that your horse might have may expose them to different diseases at a higher rate than the average you know, backyard horse. And finally, the diseases we typically talk about you know, trying to vaccinate for specifically for all horses in North America are diseases that typically can cause death of the horse. Some diseases that we can vaccinate for, just as in humans, are just going to make the animal sick for a period of time and they typically recover. But, you know, certain diseases result in death and those are ones that are really necessary to vaccinate for. Are there any outbreaks that, uh, you know, that you've seen that have kind of resulted from horse owners choosing to not vaccinate their horse? The typical outbreaks that we'll end up getting are either with, you know, in this area of the country is either Eastern encephalitis or West Nile encephalitis. And those two are transmitted by mosquitoes. And so it doesn't make any difference where your horse is and what it's doing as far as its lifestyle. They're going to be exposed to mosquitoes. And there are two diseases that can result in, you know, typically death. Eastern encephalitis or EEE as it's, you know, often referred to is a disease that once your horse gets it, the likelihood is it's going to die. With West Nile, the horse has a better chance of recovery, but still about 40% of the horses are going to die from this disease. And some of them may have residual uh, neurological symptoms even after you know they've recovered. So what vaccinations are typically recommended? Typically, you know, recommended for, again, all horses in North America, so it's not, you know, very, you know, region specific for these, is what the American Association of Equine Practitioners, AAP, recommends is what they call the core five. So it's Eastern encephalitis, West Nile encephalitis, Western encephalitis, rabies, and tetanus. And these are all diseases that can be contacted from vectors either in the you know typically in the environment or soil organisms like tetanus and tetanus has a worldwide distribution so no matter where your horse is they're going to be exposed to tetanus these are diseases that number one don't require them to have contact with other horses to get the disease and number two typically result in death of the horse so what time of the year should a horse owner think about vaccinating their horse? For the core five vaccines, yeah. basically you're going to do those in the spring, you know, prior to uh, a heavy onset of mosquito uh, populations. And it depends a little bit on the area of the country you're in as to when these diseases, you know, typically start to show up. 
typically in you know the Midwest area, we start seeing these diseases in mid to late summer, so July through you know frost. Also, the eastern encephalitis, western encephalitis, the vaccine only provides reasonable immunity for about six to eight, six to nine months. So we want to vaccinate these horses and provide them enough protection for that mosquito season. If you vaccinate too early in the season, you may have to booster. If you happen to live in areas of the country where there's a mosquito season year-round, or like a number of our horses do, they spend the summers in Michigan and they may go to Florida for the winter. These horses are typically going to be vaccinated, you know, twice a year. Rabies and tetanus, you know, that's a once a year, you know, vaccination. Tetanus typically comes with the encephalitis vaccines as a combination. So it's, you know, typically not an issue. Are there any additional recommendations for certain horses, such as mares and foals? Uh, mares and foals, if you have a mare that's pregnant, there are vaccines we try to give that mare that are either going to try and minimize the chance she's going to abort. One of those is typically the equine herpes vaccine, often called, you know, rhino, that will give the mare, you know, different, you know, stages of her pregnancy to try and provide some protection against, out, you know, uh, an abortion. It's not 100%, but it has, you know, a you know, some benefit in doing that. Also, if you have foals, and especially if your uh, foals are being born in areas where there's a lot of mares and foals and everything, although that's not necessary, you know, they can get uh, rotavirus, you know, foals can get rotavirus even when they're not in a big stable or, you know, breeding facility. That's another vaccine you can give the mare that's going to protect your foal from rotavirus diarrhea, which also can be life-threatening to that foal. Okay. So when it comes to administering the vaccinations, do you need to have a veterinarian do it, or can a horse owner um, administer the vaccines themselves? Typically, uh, they can be administered by anybody. And all of these vaccines, at least in Michigan, some uh, states will have requirements of who can buy the vaccine in Michigan. You can buy all of the, vac all the core five vaccines I just mentioned, plus a number of other vaccines we can talk about here in a little bit. The trouble is that, especially for the rabies, I would recommend that a veterinarian give the rabies so that it's documented. So if there's any question in the future, you have a documented report that, yes, my horse may have been exposed to a rabid animal, but it has been vaccinated. And then there's, you know, the steps you follow after that are much, you know, better and easier to get, you know, through than if it's a non-documented, you know, animal that's vaccinated for rabies, which requires a lot of quarantine. The one thing I worry about with uh, not so much an owner vaccinating if they are comfortable giving IM injections, and basically the majority of these vaccines are given intermuscularly. There are some that can be given intranasally in the respiratory group of vaccines but that the client get their vaccines preferably from a veterinarian so they know that the chain of care of that vaccine has been well taken care of. All these vaccines, vaccines have to be kept cold until they are administered. If they are administered and they're warm, they may not have the efficacy you desire. And so you have that false sense of security that you vaccinated, but the vaccine may not be of good quality. 
And when you buy them from someplace like Tractor Supply, you know, did they get in the refrigerator appropriately? If you're ordering them directly, when they come, that ice pack better be really cold or still frozen in them. If they're not, then I would not accept the vaccine. And I have personally sent vaccines back to drug companies that came with warm ice packs. Very good information. So in terms of actually giving the vaccine, is there are there specific locations that the vaccine should be given in terms of um, an intermuscular vaccine? Basically, you know, any muscle in the horse can be used. There's pros and cons to every muscle mass the horse has. Uh, I typically like to use the muscles in the neck, which are above the neck bones and below the mane. This is a nice place to give a vaccine simply because you're at the front end of the horse. You can actually hold the horse and do it yourself if it's a nice horse. But it has the problem that if you get a, an abscess occurring from the vaccine and any injections can cause, you know, reactions and abscesses, there's a potential for that abscess to drain down into the chest. Given in the hindquarters, you know, kind of what we call the semimembranosus tendinosus down below the hip is probably the ideal place to give it from a drainage standpoint, but it's not really uh, a site that if you have a young or a fractious animal that most people want to be dealing with on the hind end of a fractious animal. Some people will also use the chest muscles uh, and that's you know a nice you know area to give them if the horse is going to tolerate it and it also if you have a reaction is an area that drains rapidly. Do or at least try to stay away from the big heavy muscles up on the rump because if you do get an abscess in those areas, it's really difficult to drain that abscess. So typically, I like the neck, uh, but you can use other muscle masses, and it's you know somewhat dependent on the horse, the owner, and the veterinarian as to you know what they would like to use. The other thing that I typically do, and there's no sacred side to give a vaccine in, but if you're doing multiple horses, I'd recommend giving the same vaccine on the same side of the horse. And, you know, I tend to only use two vaccines at a time or two products at a time so that the horse, if they do react, don't have a lot of vaccines on board and then start reacting. And if I'm using those two vaccines, I tend to give always the same one on the left side and always the other one that I'm using on the right side. So if you have 100 horses and they all of a sudden have a neck issue, then you know which vaccine went in that particular muscle mass because... My memory, you know, if I go through three horses, I'm not going to remember which vaccine I gave to which horse. Now, one of the other things, if you're vaccinating foals, and typically we don't start vaccinating foals until they're at least four to six months of age, and that depends upon what their dam's vaccination history was, but foals should receive no injections in the neck. All injections in the foal should go in the semimembranosus, tendinosus, you know, kind of the lower hind leg muscles because foals need to have a nice supple neck to be able to nurse. It has nothing to do with muscle mass. It has to do with the nursing, you know, ability of that foal to be able to turn its neck up and nurse. All right. So you, you mentioned uh, reactions to some of the vaccines. So for a horse owner, I mean, is it kind of within the first couple days that they might see a reaction and... Um, is it, you know, kind of just swelling or are there also behavioral type things that they should look for? So 
typically, if you're going to have a, just a uh, inflamed muscle reaction, that occurs in the first 24 to 48 hours. And it's just like you, if you've got a tetanus, you know, uh, shot, your arm may be sore, you don't want anybody touching it, uh, it may be, you know, a little bit swollen over that area. And most of those type of reactions are not, you know, going to be a problem. You may end up giving the horse a little bit of pain medication like, you know, phenylbutazone or banamine, apply some hot packs on that area. No different than you would do for your own. And if you think about us going in for vaccines, they get this whole list of potential complications we have to acknowledge. With our animals, typically we vaccinate and don't think about it, but all those things apply as well. So you need to, you know, pay attention to the fact that they can get sore. And occasionally, depending upon the vaccine or just bad luck, some of them will get pretty bad abscesses. And then those become uh, a medical need for a veterinarian involved in the treatment. I imagine, uh, kind of looking back to our discussion about whether a horse owner gives a vaccine themselves or has a veterinarian do it, I suppose another advantage to having the veterinarian do it is they also would get an annual health check, essentially, on the horse probably at the same time, right? Yes. And it's, you know, it is important that your veterinarian see your horse at least yearly to make sure they're, you know, looking normal, their body condition is normal, to discuss their management and their, you know, nutrition, to do a dental evaluation, to make sure their teeth are, you know, Okay, so yes, having your veterinarian come on a yearly basis is of benefit to your horse. So when it comes to uh, protection, uh, are, is it immediate when you get a vaccine? Uh, unfortunately not. In all species, it requires a minimum of 10 to 14 days to start developing any immunity. You'll have better immunity at uh, a month. And if this is the first time you've seen the vaccine, typically all vaccines have what's called a booster series. And depending upon the vaccine, it will determine how many boosters you require. If you have a naive animal, never been vaccinated before in its life, or that foal we talked about a little bit before, they will typically get a vaccine, get a booster in about a month period of time. So that'll be kind of in the fall area. And then they'll have another booster in the spring and start the yearly vaccination you know, series. So it's important that they get the appropriate vaccine in the appropriate manner. Now, one that's a little bit of an outlier is West Nile. Some of the vaccines out there will provide faster protection than others, but typically West Nile vaccinations require the animal to have both its boosters before they're fully protected. Unlike Eastern encephalitis or Western encephalitis, who typically after an initial vaccination and you can get out, you know, 14 days or so are already having some protection. That doesn't typically occur with West Nile. So are there any other vaccines that uh, can be given besides the core five that you mentioned? Okay, there are other vaccines out there that can be used you know, for horses. There is a whole group of respiratory vaccines. There's also a vaccine out there for Potomac horse fever. And we kind of touched on some of the vaccines that mares may you know, be administered because of their foal or both maintaining the pregnancy and the foal's health afterward. When you use any of these other vaccines, the respiratory vaccines, or pardon me, the respiratory diseases, like respiratory diseases in humans, do depend upon what the horse does for a living, what their contact with other horses is. If you have uh, the herpes virus or you know flu or strangles, they can contact or they do contact these from other horses. Vaccinating for these diseases, 
may provide you some protection, but again, the efficacy of these vaccines is not anywhere near what the core five is. The core five vaccines are basically 95% or better efficacy. When we start dealing with the respiratory vaccines, we're kind of down more in that 60% efficacy. So really need to talk to your veterinarian. If you're using some of these other vaccines in your horses, when I should use them? Does my horse have a lifestyle that really you know, dictates that I should use them? What are the side effects of these vaccines? Those are all important things to discuss with your veterinarian before you initiate using some of the other vaccines besides the core five. I imagine along with this, because, you know, it can get kind of complicated. There's boosters and there's, you, you know, which vaccines do you use? I imagine something that's really important is to have a health uh, record keeping system in terms of so that if your horse uh, gets sick at some point, you know, you have that to share with your veterinarian. Would that be something that you recommend? Yes, all, all animals should have a health record. And it can be very fancy on the computer or it can be a three by five uh, index card. Really doesn't make any difference as long as you're writing these things down and keeping record because all of us have too many things going on in our lives that we can remember when things were given, when they had colic, you know, all of these aspects. So having that written down is really, really important. And it's not so much what kind of record you have, it's the fact you are keeping a record. Very good. Well, Judy, I really appreciate your time today. Thank you for talking with me about this important topic. Thank you.